Welcome to Living Through the Word, the podcast ministry of the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word. Here we'll bring in different guests from across the diocese and around the world to discuss matters about ministry and the church and faith. I'm Julian Dobbs, the diocesan bishop of the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word. And today it's my great pleasure to welcome back my dear friend who's been on this uh, uh, program with us on a number of occasions, uh, the Reverend Dr. Lee Gatiss. Lee, welcome back. It's great to be here, Julian. How are you? I am doing well, thanks be to God, in these challenging days. What about you and, and your wife and family? Uh, we're here in Cambridge in England, and uh, there's a little bit of a lockdown because of the coronavirus. Um, we are self-isolating. This is the new uh, term of the moment. Uh, because my wife has some underlying health conditions that mean it would be dangerous if we were to catch that bug. Uh, but it's a lovely sun sunny day in Cambridge, so we're, we're rejoicing in the Lord's goodness to us that we, we don't have any significant issues at the moment. Well, thanks be to God for that. Uh, let's keep uh, Dr. Lee Gatiss and his wife and family uh, in our prayers. Lee, just remind us, for those who may not uh, know of your association with me and me with you and you with our diocese, a little bit about who you are, church society, those things, what you do. Uh, well, I'm the director of church society here in the UK. So we are a very old established uh, evangelical Anglican uh, group. We exist to reform and renew the Church of England in biblical faith, equipping God's people to live God's word. Um, I've been doing that for over seven years now. Um, we first met, didn't we, Julian, here in Cambridge when we I did. saved your life. You saved my life. I saved yes. your life. From yes, you better just tell people about that, Lee, so they know what happened. Well, you were crazily just going to step over the road to see a, a Reformation monument of some sort, excited by the prospect of seeing where the Reformation first took place in England, uh, and you nearly went straight into a bus, and I stopped you from doing that. You did. So, um, <laughs> in return, you invited me to come and speak to your synod one year in, uh, in Binghamton, which was great, and I enjoyed doing that. So, good to meet lots of people from the diocese, many of whom I knew already from online or from GAFCON. Uh, so, yes. <laughs> well, it's wonderful to have you back. Thank you uh, for talking to us. I've asked Dr. Gators to, to be on this episode to help us uh, wrestle with where we're finding Christ in the midst of this situation and all the changes uh, that we're experiencing. Uh, how do we continue to, to build faith and, and find the assurance that we have in Christ and in Christ alone? Lee, just tell us a little bit about the situation in the UK in general. Things are locked down. What about churches? Are churches open? Are services happening? Uh, well, church is open, but buildings are closed. Mm. That's the way we like to put it. Mm. So uh, the church is very much active. Um, people on every street and in every village, town and city are active as the church. But unfortunately, our church buildings are closed for meetings. So we're not allowed, not permitted Yay. To, to open uh, because of the, the risk of infection um, and the risk of passing on the coronavirus. So that's been a very interesting time. I don't think there's been a moment when churches in England have been closed like that since the papal interdict of 1208. So it's a, it's a historic moment that we'll all remember. We've had to uh, transition to, to meeting online, uh, congregating via Zoom or 
using YouTube videos, Facebook Live, and other uh, means like that, um, which has been uh, a mixed blessing. It is great to be able to, to see other members of church and to share prayers, readings, sermons, songs, and those sorts of things. I think it's more like, um, how to put it, coordinated family worship. So different families are meeting together all over Cambridge, for example, in our church, Christchurch Cambridge. We, we meet all over Cambridge in our own houses as uh, individual families. And there's a sort of coordination via YouTube as we all sing the same songs together, pray the same prayers and listen to the same sermon. It isn't the same as meeting together as the church, um, but a lot of the same things are happening. We're being encouraged to, uh, to keep going as Christians, uh, spurred on to love and good deeds by the sermons and uh, praying together. So it's a mixed blessing. It will hopefully make us more um, keen to meet together when we are able to do that again, God willing, in a few weeks or months time. But it's an unusual time uh, because of this virtual reality that we're now in. It is unusual, isn't it? It's, it's like an extended Lenten season in some regards without saying the alleluias. And when we come back on uh, Easter Sunday, uh, although we may still be separated physically from one another, we, we know that great joy of being able to declare Christ is, is risen. And we, we look forward to that time where we can gather together again uh, in the person with one another uh, and break bread uh, with one another. I want to come to that in a moment. But what, what for you uh, has been the, the most noticeable change to the rhythm of life? Well, uh, that one about not meeting together on Sundays is huge because for as long as I can remember, every Sunday, um, I think almost without fail, I've gone to church. And that has been a, a regular um, routine and rhythm to life. Not being able to do that should be unusual and is unusual and it feels very odd. Also, I spend a lot of my time um, traveling around the country. I should have been at I think four different meetings this week um, in various parts of the country, London, Bristol, Reading, but I haven't been able to do that. So uh, I miss, do I miss being on trains and on motorways a lot? Um, I certainly have noticed that I haven't been doing that. Uh, and that's different. You do miss actually meeting up with people and seeing them physically in the flesh, being able to talk with them face to face. Um, you know, in real life rather than virtually. So that is, that is a huge change. I hope um, if that comes to other parts of the world, the United States, that you'll be able to cope with that in the, in, and look at to what we've been doing here to, to mitigate that. Um, but I hope, I hope we won't have to, to do that for very long because it is odd for Christians not to meet together. Yes, that's unusual for us, isn't it? And I've certainly noticed that as a bishop, uh, my, my rhythm and routine has changed. I'm not on aeroplanes flying around our diocese. I'm not mm. seeing people physically uh, to talk with. Our clergy, although we, we, are, we regularly meet, given the non-geographical nature of our diocese electronically, uh, we've had to postpone our missions, conferences, and synod. Uh, as a result of these things. So as you say, it's, it's, it's unusual and awkward and feels like we're dislocated uh, within the body of Christ uh, yeah. at, at, at the moment. And yet, uh, 
as you say, the Lord willing, uh, we'll be able to be together soon to to worship and, and declare the praises of God. Lee, one of one of the things, of course, that um, we're not able to do uh, uh, at this juncture because we are separated from one another is to partake in the Lord's Supper in holy communion in the manner in which we have. And that's been a, a great wrestle for many of us um, and uh, a great challenge for many of us um, who have regularly celebrated um, uh, being together with God's people, uh, being at the table of the Lord, having a minister officiate uh, at the table, um, and then partaking of the Lord's Supper by faith with thanksgiving. Mm. Uh, and not being able to do that is, 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 is just such a different rhythm for us and, and we feel, again, dislocated. I want to talk to you a little bit about that. Um, the, the prayer book, the liturgy of the prayer book, reminds us uh, in, in, in the order for Holy Communion to draw near with faith, uh, to take this holy sacrament to our comfort. And I thought about that word comfort for a moment, and I, I thought about how Archbishop Cramnab so beautifully included those, what we refer to as the comfortable words oh, yes. from Jesus, beckoning us to come to him. But if we can't take the sacrament at the moment to our comfort in these days where we're not able to be together, where do we find that comfort uh, as Christians? That's a great question. Of course, one of the comfortable words is from uh, Matthew 11, where Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's one of those comfortable words. And that, I think, is the key to it. We go to Christ for our comfort. The, the Lord's Supper provides us with that comfort as we feed on him in our hearts by faith with thanksgiving. We lift up our hearts to the Lord, because he is at the right hand of the Father. We lift up our hearts and uh, the Spirit, by faith, unites us to Christ as we eat and drink in the Lord's Supper. So it is the, it's the same comfort, coming to Christ for rest and uh, feeding on the Lord's Supper. We're united to Christ. So any way that we can be united to Christ and feed on Christ um, and know Christ will be giving us the same comfort um, through through different means. And I think one of the main ways we do that at any time, really, but particularly at a time when we can't gather together, would be through feeding on the word. You know, the um, the Anglican homilies, the, the set homilies uh, from the 16th century Reformation, describe the word of God as food for our souls. And that's what we need to feed on. We feed on Christ through the food he has provided us with, which is his word. Um, and that is what we need. The Lord's Supper is, of course, a visible word, an edible word. And while we can't have that, we can, we can still partake and eat and drink of Christ through his word, whether we can actually physically get together uh, and physically eat the bread and the wine or not. So it is something we should long for and want to do, gathering together to partake of the Lord's Supper together. But it's not like Christ will leave us hungry. He will feed us um, through his word, the Bible, um, as we encourage one another daily um, in, in various other means. 
Yes, and of course, as we journey through this period, the the longing to be together, I trust, will increase in our hearts. I trust, too, our, our longing for Christ will increase, as you say, as we feed on him, as we feed, as he feeds us uh, through his word. And, and I encourage those who are listening to this episode to, to be sure that they're feeding on Christ through the word of God, opening the Bible Asking God the Holy Spirit to be our teacher, that's something we can all do, regularly reading the scriptures. In fact, you're doing that at the moment, uh, Dr. Gatiss, aren't you, um, through uh, a word through the Psalms. Just tell us a little bit about that, because we, 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 we're we having a Bible study ourselves through the Psalms at the moment, and we, we yeah. used a recording of you uh, oh. just recently, uh, <laughs> so beautifully reading to us Psalm 5, O Lord in the Morning. Uh, when 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 I when I come to you in the morning, I I hearken unto the the cry and, and reach out to God. It was so beautiful. But just tell us how how you're spending time in the Word of God. Thank you. That, that's great. Um, that those videos are proving useful to people. I, I hope that's that's um, the case in many places. Um, I think at, at such a time we find that um, comfort. That word you mentioned already is very important because. This coronavirus is going to take away not just our loved ones, but our comfort. Those who are left behind will um, find problems um, with our economy, with our relationships. We're, we're being forced to go virtual with many things. We're finding trouble getting all the food and shopping and resources that we need from our supermarkets. Our shops are closed down. This is going to impinge on our comfort. Um, in many ways, and we live a life of luxury and comfort compared to many in the world, in in the West, in America, in the UK, um, and so I think it will hopefully push us back to find a source of true comfort, which is Christ. Um, and the, the way I've been trying to to reflect on that is that the simplest things, at a time of challenge and difficulty, can be the best anchor soul and so we've been putting out just two or three minute videos every day just a couple of minutes where I read something from the Psalms I, I think I did something from Philippians one day and next week we're going to have three days looking at Romans 8 but literally just reading the word of God and then praying a couple of prayers often from the liturgical uh, heritage of the book of common prayer um, or something like that and I've, I think that is a way of reminding ourselves certainly has reminded me that our true comfort comes from Christ, even when we may feel discomfort uh, in the rest of our life, because we don't have the things we're used to, whether that's church around us, our church family, our meetings, or the shopping um, and the resources we might normally be used to. Um, and what is our hope, hope using those things to remind us where our true sufficiency and satisfaction ought to be? Yes, of course, this time of isolation uh, does not mean that we are isolated from Christ who loves us, uh, who has called us, and uh, your, your, your reminder to us, your invitation, your urging, uh, Dr. Gatiss, to, to come to him uh, through the word and to feed on him is, is so reassuring. Uh, to us in, in this time. Of course, uh, this, this sense of isolation and separation from God, God's people, 
uh, has has been something that's been experienced by the church down through the ages at different times, and especially by our brothers and sisters who are persecuted and who suffer for Christ. Uh, most people know that for many years, my wife Brenda and I have had the privilege of working alongside uh, brothers and sisters in Christ who have suffered in many cases the most uh, indescribable sufferings. And, and one of the pains of their suffering has been the, the uh, regrettable but necessary separation from meeting together because meeting together in many contexts when you are in the minority as a Christian uh, comes with great challenges and for some even the threat of losing their life. And so we must remember in this period too, uh, while we are isolated, let's not forget those who are suffering, as the Word of God reminds us, uh, those who are suffering for the faith, uh, and pray for them because they too are dealing with the coronavirus. They're also dealing with the continued persecution uh, that comes to them because they name the name of Jesus. But just, Dr. Gators, help us think for a moment, if you would. Um, uh, although it's undesirable, there have been times in the history of the church when the church has not been able to meet together as, as regularly as they would like. Yes, that's right. So sometimes it's been enforced through persecution, sometimes through the state forcing people not to be able to meet um, and that sort of thing. But uh, there have been other times of plague, pestilence, disease, war, famine, when it has been impossible for churches to get together in the usual way. That's not something that is unprecedented in the whole history of the church. Um, I think particularly of... Um, uh, the plague in 1665 in London, uh, a lot of people fled the capital um, in 1665 to get away from the plague. Many ministers left town uh, in order to save themselves and their families in the countryside. Um, and that meant that churches were often deprived of ministers as well as um, congregation members. So, yes, it's something we've had to cope with in the past. Um, and I think it is right that the, the state um, can try and enforce quarantines and uh, the giving up of meeting for a while. Um, it, it is a legitimate use of state authority of, of the magistrate's sword, if you like. Um, thinking of Romans chapter 13, uh, the, the magistrate, the state can tell us, please don't meet together because of war or famine or pestilence, which is what we're facing at the moment. I know that uh, you Americans get very twitchy when people tell you you can't do something uh, and you'll be probably throwing your tea overboard into the sea or something in uh, disgust at such things. Um, but it is right, isn't it, that we listen to what the, what the state says at such times because we have a duty of care to love our neighbour, um, to love others and not to spread contagion um, where that is a possibility. And so we, we listen to that. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. We're not to slavishly obey rules or think we must meet together despite what the state says in a time of uh, plague or virus. Um, uh, we must prioritise love for one another. And those other things are secondary considerations. Lee, help us to think a little, if you would, about uh, the sovereignty of God in the midst of this crisis 
how best are we to think about our Lord's sovereignty uh, as we see so much suffering and sickness and death in places? Um, uh, when, when, we, when, we, when we see people struggling, perhaps some people are struggling themselves. Where is God in this? Um, I, I was talking to a, a dear uh, elderly woman uh, yesterday, uh, and uh, she was saying to me, I've been working hard to try and find out where God is in the midst of all of this. Uh, help us to wrestle with that just a little. Well, it's the first line of the creed, isn't it, Julian? We believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. He's our creator. He's our loving Father. But he is also God Almighty. He is our Lord. That's a, a central Christian confession. Jesus Christ is Lord. Uh, God our Father is Lord of the universe. He is utterly sovereign, more than any prime ministers or presidents, princes or chief medical officers. He's the one who's in charge of everything. Jesus told us that, well, the hair can fall from our heads without our heavenly Father's say-so. But a sparrow can fall from a tree without our Heavenly Father knowing about it and caring about it. So he cares for the small details of life. He's also in charge of all these things. And he's an expert. We see this in the Bible. He's an expert in bringing good out of evil. So many things mean to harm us, but God means them to work together for our good, as we see in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Everything is woven together for our ultimate good. Now, it may not feel good at the time, um, and uh, many things don't feel good at the time, which are for our ultimate good. And I think that's what God is, is often doing through these times of suffering and difficulty, tribulation, um, that we are experiencing. So I think we should look to him to... Uh, to guide us and, and not to lose faith in that sovereignty throughout this period. We can also look to him and pray to him. I mean, if he wasn't utterly sovereign and in control of all these things, it would be pointless to pray to him to save us and to heal us and to protect us from the coronavirus and from anything else. But because he is sovereign, we have hope and we have a protector in these times. He also, of course, is our judge, and I think sometimes he brings about his judgment, his right, true righteous judgment on us um, as, as the church and as nations and as a world by giving us over to the things that we have desired in our hearts, by giving us exactly what we want. So if we've prioritised individualism over community well maybe he'll take away our community to make us realize how much we need it and want it really um we prioritize material things over relational uh, aspects of life well if he takes away some of our material things in an act of judgment he will kindly remind us of the importance of the relational we prioritize these days virtual reality and virtual relationships over physical real relationships and so maybe if he takes away the the physical for a while in an act of judgment we will we will realize how much we we need those real things so i think i think uh, that's how god is sovereign and we need to trust him in his sovereignty that he is good he's not 
um, our enemy as Christians. He is our loving Heavenly Father. He's good, he's always good, and he's working for our good, even though we may not be able to see how in some situations. We must trust him. Yes, and that's where it's difficult for so many, isn't it? That we must trust him, yet that is his invitation to us. I'm reminded, Ali, as you speak, of those wonderful words in Lamentations chapter 3 that remind us as the sun rises every day, so are the mercies of the Lord new for us. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. And it's, it's, a, it's a patient hope uh, that we, 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 we have as we indeed um, move deeper into the Lord's will uh, for our lives and express um, uh, our great gratitude for him. Uh, and for his son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life for us uh, on the cross. Lee, in a moment, I'm going to ask you, if you would, uh, to pray for us. It's it's always a great joy to have you on these episodes of, of Living Through the Word. Um, I, I wonder, though, just before you do, as I've quoted from Lamentations, might you share a word of Scripture with us just before you pray, and then lead us into prayer uh, as we conclude our time together? I'd be delighted to do that. I think a good, um, a good psalm for us to think about might be Psalm 16. Uh, so let me just, shall I read a little bit of that? Why don't you do that? And then I'll pray. Uh, David, a miktam of David, he prays, Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also, my heart instructs me. I've set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, our ever-present help in trouble, our fortress and our God, calm the anxious fears of all who turn to you. Give strength and healing to those who are sick, as well as courage and skill to those who care for them. Grant wisdom and clarity to those in authority and humble us all to call upon you that we may be saved not only in this life, 
but also for that which is to come. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Dr. Gatiss, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Living Through the Word. It's always a delight to hear your voice. A pleasure. I hope to see you again soon. I look forward to it. At the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word, uh, we're working to equip and edify your walk in Christ. You'll find resources and opportunities for connection, especially through this uh, period of distancing on our website at adlw.org. I'm Julian Dobbs, and this has been Living Through the Word. I commend you to God and the word of his grace. Mm -hmm.